In a world where people like to watch movies, one group of friends will go on an epic journey to watch these movies. It's the Flick Fiends Podcast with Uncle Joe, Big Joe, and Jared. Now it's time to listen to the Fiends. Well, let's make no secret of it. It's been a little while since we've all been together uh, recording, but that's okay because we've got a great event, great time of the year to talk about now that we're ready. And that would be Halloween. Uncle Joe, what do we have to say about Halloween as regards movies? It's a wonderful, magical time of the year if you like those sorts of movies for me i always rewatch a lot of tim burton's films for the halloween season corpse bride the nightmare before christmas beetlejuice those are always on my rewatch list solid solid jared do you have any that uh that you put on oddly terminator I don't know. It just, to me, it's always seemed like a Halloween movie to me. That makes sense, though, because it's, it's not necessarily a horror movie, but it is scary. Out of all of them, I'd say the first one is probably the closest to a horror movie. Yeah, and that's usually the one I end up uh, putting on, oddly. I would say for Halloween, we typically, at our house, will put on something like the Nightmare on Elm Street movies, because those are 80s monster movies. Godzilla movies are a good choice, too. And then uh, yeah, occasionally I'll watch something oddball like uh, Dr. Strangelove. Wow, talk about oddball there. Yeah, well, uh, that one fits into a couple of genres. So if you're in the mood for it, it fits pretty much anything. I think I remember you guys telling me that you rewatched another film from our childhood recently from the Ernest film series. Right. I did. I uh, found that actually Amazon Prime has all of the Ernest movies if you want to rent them or view them. And it, it was surprising to me that there are so many. They made nine of those. I believe four were made with the backing of Disney through touchstone and Buena Vista pictures. Then five were produced independently, but the one I picked out to watch was Ernest scared stupid because I'd seen it as a kid and I'm not ashamed to say that the villain, the, the troll Trantor at the time just frightened me. That's, actually a really good monster's design which there's a little bit of a story to that monster design that you clued me into uncle joe if you want to repeat that for anybody listening sure the masks that they used for the trolls in that movie were actually repainted masks from another film they were uh reused masks from killer clowns from outer space Another good classic to watch around this time of year. Wow. Yeah. Those are 
probably the best effects in that movie. And we'll, we'll get into that, uh, as we discuss, but, uh, Jared also rewatched a movie from his childhood for discussion on this episode. Jared, which one did you pick out? Little Monsters. I haven't seen that movie in forever. Yeah, I don't know that I ha- ever have. Howie Mandel plays the, the lead monster. Am I remembering that right? Yeah, and he did a really good job with it, actually. And the the two top things that I really enjoyed about it that I had totally forgotten about was just how ridiculous the plot is and also just how utterly cool the music is in it. But also, I forgot how good the um, costume design and everything was for that movie. Even though most of them are kind of in the dark, there's some like really cool costume tricks that they pulled for that movie. And each character's pretty distinct in it, I'd say. And uh, they did a really good job with that. So, for anyone who hasn't seen it, what is the plot of that movie? Fred Savage has things under his bed. The end. (laughs) Surely the plot was more developed than that. Well, no, it's basically there's a whole world underneath Fred Savage's bed. And uh, it takes a little while to get going, but... Um, eventually he discovers there's a, uh, a monster named uh, Maurice under his bed. And what they do is they go around and scare children and also put blame of uh, stuff that kids normally do, like paint on the walls or, you know, oh, leave things out and all that stuff that parents don't like. And... Uh, they basically put the blame on the kids, but it's really the monsters that are doing all this. So there's also uh, another kind of subplot where there's this main villain that you really don't see till about three quarters of the way through the movie, but his name, oddly enough, is Boy. And he is basically trying to take over this or keep control of this underworld basically and uh, he does it through fear and converting kids to turn into monsters because the longer that you stay in this underworld the harder it is to stay human basically so you over like if you stay too long in this uh monster underworld then you become a monster so that's the general idea of the movie and eventually there's a bit at the end where (laughs) amusingly they through signs and through montage get to the other side of the united states before the sun can rise because the sun rises then they cannot leave the monster underworld so until the next day and then oh no they become monsters so but overall i i I don't know i I thought that was really cool and um amusing and i really enjoyed a lot of the little details like that it felt like a solid cheesy 
kind of eighties movie. Well, that's uh, more involved than I was thinking. Superficially, it reminds me of kind of the basic plot of Monsters Inc., which was much later. So, it's interesting that you know pieces and parts of that idea get get reused or hashed into certain things. Well, um, I had sort of a similar experience going over Ernest Scared Stupid. Basically, to introduce anybody that may not be familiar with it, Ernest is a character created by Jim Varney. He's the same guy that voiced Slinky Dog in Toy Story. But his main claim to fame is these Ernest movies. There was also a series of commercials that he did using that character that were prominent in the Southeast where we're based. And, you know, the commercials were just the character in different situations and it would end up that he was talking about a product or uh, doing something with a product that was being advertised but of course he was a buffoon so i'm not sure what the attraction was other than the product placement made you laugh or at least the initial thought jared you and i still remember the lead co vinyl siding commercial from years ago from that character yeah also um they had that guy from green acres ed or he co in as his character the actor would and he'd do this thing the lead co shuffle and you'd see him <laughs> like do that and talk about oh look at all this vinyl sighting and lead co leads the way and <laughs> blah 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 you know trying to pitch you on vinyl sighting for your home basically but i don't know i just i had a lot of memories from those kind of commercials cuz you'd see them a lot like on saturdays and stuff like a little bit after the Saturday morning cartoon run would start. So, you know, you'd see that periodically, and it's just like, well, now what do I do? And, well, I can't go outside like a normal kid, so I have to sit here and watch these Weed Co. commercials. And a lot of them had Ernest and uh, Jim Varney playing Ernest uh, doing that, and a lot of them were funny. I do remember that. Just to tarry in into that, you know, 11 o'clock, I think, was kind of the cutoff for where the the network programming stopped on Saturdays and you got into local programming. Because I remember, at least when I was very young, being able to catch stuff like, you know, Mid-South Wrestling, whenever that was still a thing, and had a TV show or something like that. Don't quote me on exactly the, the show name, but you could catch that. And then there would also be some things like shows about farm report or things like things like that, depending on what channel you were on stuff that I'm, I'm not sure shows up on TV anymore, but that's not the topic of discussion. So the main overall plot of Ernest scared stupid is that Ernest is stupid and he wakes up an ancient evil that has been imprisoned in a, forest underneath the town of Briarville, Missouri. And he then has to defeat said evil 
through basically being a good-hearted buffoon. And the power of Miak. <laughs> yes. I'll bet you thought I couldn't find it this time of year, but I'm too clever for for you by far. <laughs> There's little hints in just the character work of Ernest that he really is like a little bit smarter than he's made out to be. Some of the contraptions that he builds are stuff that nobody with without a little bit of tinkering knowledge would would build. His vocabulary is a little too good, even though he messes up a lot of words. Well, to add on to that real quick, before we got the Ernest films that most people are familiar with, Jim Varney made another movie called Dr. Otto and the Riddle of the Gloom Beam. And this film predates all the other Ernest films, except for like one film that was just video skits involving some of his different characters and i was surprised because this is also on amazon prime and that's surprising because i don't think this film has ever gotten an official dvd release or if it did it was extremely limited you just can't find that film for sale very often and even the old vhs tapes go for 40 dollars and up but anyway there is something that has been edited out of the version on Amazon Prime that was in the original VHS release. There is a scene before the opening credits on the original version where Ernest is talking to Vern and he's bought this thing called a changing coffin. And it's a machine that will turn you into any kind of person that you want. So, Ernest being Ernest, he gets into the machine, and he turns into Dr. Otto, who is a genius mad scientist bent on world domination. And he's actually the antagonist for that whole movie, and I assume that's why they edited out that scene, because Ernest is almost always seen to be a good guy. That movie is also the first time a lot of the other character personas seen in the Ernest films for the first time, like the elderly lady with the neck brace. So you could say that his apparent knack for creating some things and his at times better than average vocabulary is a bit of Dr. Otto leaking through. If you like campy, low budget 80s films, I highly recommend that one. A couple of the people that are in the movie kind of surprised me. I didn't remember that Eartha Kitt plays the old Lady Hackmore in this movie. I forgot that too when I saw it and I was like, oh yeah. And uh, she did a really good job with that. I mean, I was really impressed. Yeah, she had she had the classic Macbeth witches kind of old lady cackle voice going on. It reminded me a little bit of the voice that Frank Oz did for Agra in uh, The Dark Crystal, except, of course, Eartha Kitt has that hissing voice that she can do. It sounds like steam escaping. They did something really weird with her eyebrows in this movie, too. They look, they look like they glued some eyebrows onto her, but that makes all of her glowering and 
facial expressions that she does look that much more ridiculous. So it was a good costume choice. So like, like I said, in the plot synopsis, the troll is called Trantor. And in the beginning of the movie, they have this framing device of one of the kids giving a history report on the town of Briarville. And at least according to the kid's report, the town was founded in 1706. And sometime before the modern times, the town was attacked and plagued by a race of trolls. And Trantor was the leader of the trolls. And basically what the trolls would do would be kidnap children and then use their souls to power the birth of more trolls. And they never really show how that happens in that particular history lesson, but the trolls are defeated and Trantor is captured by the people in the town and he is sentenced to remain eternally under an oak tree imprisoned by Phineas Worrell, Ernest's ancestor. And in retaliation, Trantor puts a curse on Phineas Worrell that all of his descendants will continue to get dumber and dumber as the years go on. And enter Ernest. Yeah, enter Ernest. So that's as good a setup as anything. The question that I have would never be answered by a movie of this type of plotting, but you know, if there was this plague of children being kidnapped and, you know, never seen again, and they captured this creature that exists nowhere else, apparently, and there were like 30 to 40 people there to see it being buried and imprisoned. Obviously there's enough information on it out there for a, a literal child to make a book report about it. Why is this not better documented about like where the tree is and like, Oh no, no development there. Yeah. Apparently it was just on her property somewhere Mm -hmm. in a spooky I don't know what that would be, like clearing inside of a cave or something. It looked like a cave at the beginning. In my notes, I called it a thicket. That's probably the best way to go about it. But it's, you know, it's a clearing. It's a it's a copse, uh, a, a forest, a something. It's a back lot. <laughs> Other couple of things I noticed towards in the beginning of the movie, the town motto is apparently ignoramus ad infinitum, which in Latin would mean infinitely stupid or something like that. <laughs> the uh, There's a Star Wars reference pretty early on because Ernest is testing out this new device he's made that hooks up to the garbage truck that he is driving, and it's supposed to help it basically is turning his garbage truck, I thought, into a combination garbage truck and street sweeper. And, you know, the street sweeper functions that he has built onto it go awry and he gets trapped in the compaction portion of the garbage truck and something goes wrong and he's slowly being compacted. He picks up a long piece of metal and tries to hold the two walls of the compactor 
still with that thing and it just crushes it. So I thought that was interesting. Oh, the other thing that's kind of crazy about that scene is that he's got a remote that he has apparently programmed all the functions of the trash truck into. And one of them is to stop the compactor, but that doesn't work. So he does what should be on everybody's list of troubleshooting electronics and pulls the battery. But that doesn't work because electricity from the battery literally arcs from feet away from the remote back into the remote and turns it back on. <laughs> I Yeah, I thought that was absolutely <laughs> fucking That's stupid. classic Ernest, though. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Very true. Well, let me let me point out one more thing about this movie. Some of the jokes are rapid fire, but there's a sequence where he's explaining to the kid about standing up for yourself, and he uses all these examples of, you know, people standing up to injustice through history. And he talks about the Botswanans versus the Ottoman Empire, which never happened, but at some point he changes into a character of a lumberjack with typical, you know, fuzzy hat and plaid overshirt on. And he says, no, sir, there ain't no trees in Botswana. I ought to know I'm a Botswanian lumberjack and I ain't never had a job. (laughs) (laughs) It's a joke. That's so dumb on so many levels, (laughs) but, there's also the uh, the Tulip Brothers that come in halfway through the film and sell Ernest a whole bunch of fake troll fighting gear that the one brother just has just stupid jokes. Like the one I thought the most of was uh, do rattlesnakes kiss carefully. He had at least 10 of those that he cycled through. Anyway, moving on, Uncle Joe. One thing uh, I did decide to do this year is go back and rewatch the Child's Play films because I watched the newest one and it was very subpar compared to the older ones. Yeah, that first one is super creepy. Yeah, I do remember that. I also remember um, Child's Play 3 fairly well, too. Two kind of set the standard, I think. That, that was one of my favorites because they kind of... They also changed studios after the first one as well, but they uh, they also changed the the puppet rig, I think, as well, and a lot of other new technologies that went into it. Well, that makes sense. You would want to do that because those movies weren't weren't exactly low budget, if I remember right. They had some budget attached to them. So, what have you gleaned about Child's Play? Are there any? Uh, any themes throughout the series that carried over to the new one, or did did they try to go in a different direction? They tried to go into a, a different direction. I mean, the core plot is... Well, actually, scratch that. Most of the core plot is not there. I'd actually say that this newest one is closer to Steven Spielberg's AI artificial intelligence, albeit with a much darker turn. Oh, wow. So... There's no serial killer possessing the doll through a voodoo no, ritual. Nothing supernatural with the doll. Uh, it starts out the these are advanced electronic kids' toys, 
They're called buddies. And they can control different other types of uh, products that that company makes through the Wi-Fi. They can turn on your TV. They have a camera inside of them. They can record audio and video. They can control your thermostats, which is really weird for a kid's toy. Yeah. But they can do all of that. And in the factory, in Ch- I, get, I think it's China, where they're being made, there's this guy, he, he gets fired and he's miserable. So he takes all the safeties off of one of the dolls, puts it in the box, and then kills himself. Yes, because that's totally how quality assurance works. Although that's a go-to plot point for like, I think that plot point showed up in the Ghost in the Shell anime and a couple of other like cyberpunk animes that I've watched. And uh, Basically, once the kid gets the doll, it imprints on him, which is why I kind of liken it to AI. Okay. And from that point on, the doll will do anything to make the kid love him and to spend time with him. And then the kid starts making all these friends, which makes the doll upset. And that's when things start to go in a really bad direction. But uh, I prefer the originals. I think the supernatural aspect was a lot more interesting. Gave him a lot more character. And they switched from having an actual puppet to having an animatronic Something that was wirelessly controlled, it it didn't really have the same um, expression as you would have on an actual puppeteered puppet like they used in the others. Which, you know, animatronics can can do that. It's just just whether they, they built that one they were using to do that. Sounds like they didn't. Yeah, it, it looked a little weird to me, and... I don't think they let Mark Hamill be as creepy as I know that he can be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he can be really creepy. So, did you end up watching any of the newer ones that came that kind of changed more into comedy movies? Uh, Bride of Chucky and Seed of Chucky? I did see Bride of Chucky. I haven't seen Seed of Chucky or the soft reboot that they did after that. Ah, okay. But I'm going to work my way through all of them. Well, we will look forward to a report when you do. And uh, one more thing I think we are obligated to talk about. You can't talk about Halloween movies and not even bring up Ghostbusters. Yeah. Ah, Ghostbusters. Well, I mean, it's one one of the great comedy movies to come out of the 80s. I won't say it's the funniest thing that Dan Aykroyd has been in because he's he was also in the Blues Brothers, and I have a soft spot for the Blues Brothers. But yeah, especially the first one is a is a really good kind of comedy horror monster movie. the uh, The second one kind of gets even more into the supernatural stuff, but the first one was uh, almost a more of a straight up monster movie. And I wish we could kind of get back to that in filmmaking. I don't know. I'm sure I'm just not paying attention to some of the movies that are doing this or they're, they're, I'm blanking out on them. But there was a run there of movies that successfully mixed horror and comedy. 
I think the last one that I saw that actually pulled that off well was Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Oh, I love that. Yeah, that's, that's been movie. Yeah, but that's been almost ten years since that came out. Very true. It's been a long time. I'd love for them to go back and do another one, but you know, I think they were supposed to, but I don't know what happened. All, all of that, all of them moved on. You know, I think Katrina Bowden, the 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 girl in that, got busy doing Thirty Rock. Well. We could keep going on about Halloween films for hours, but due to a technical issue that just came up, we're going to have to say goodbye for this episode. Thank you all for listening, and we hope that you'll join us again soon.